0: Welcome to another episode of Church Chat. I'm Crawford Paul. It's so great to have you with us today listening. I just want to thank you for your support and encouragement over the last uh, several episodes as we've had many, many people that have commented and said how much they appreciate uh, not just the podcast, but the articles on Assembly Hub. And so just want to thank you for that. And also to let you know that if you would like to have certain topics discussed, then please send questions to us. We'd love to hear the things that you're interested in hearing about. And you can send an email to assemblyhub at gmail.com and just let us know what are some things that are on your hearts. What are some things that you feel are important for us to talk about? And we will cover those in upcoming episodes or on the blog. And if you're new to Assembly Hub, then of course go to assemblyhub.com and check out all the stuff that's there. We've been going for five and a half years. It's absolutely amazing to think that it's been going this long, but we are so thankful to the Lord for His direction and guidance. And we've learned a lot, and we've come through a, a, a lot of wonderful um conversations and discussions and I feel like we've we've all grown together in this whole process. Today we're going to uh, finish at least right now this two-part series on racism and there were definitely some interesting comments uh, online and some emails that were sent and some private discussions that I had and I wrote an article about this whole idea of such an extreme polarized view that people take. And I just want to reiterate that because I think it's really important when it comes to this discussion. There seems to be a lack of balance in a lot of people's views about this topic. And I've kind of tended to take a middle approach on a lot of things. I I just see value in, in looking at multiple sides of a discussion or different angles and I I wasn't always like like this I think I've I've more enjoyed taking the center position and as I've looked at the Lord Jesus and the way he responds to people I feel like that's more his style of taking a middle approach and so for example in this particular discussion uh, you know if you say Black Lives Matter then you're vilified by the right in saying well you're you 're just a liberal, or you you don't care about the gospel, or you're caught up in this political uh, movement, and no i 'm not caught up in a political movement first of all, i 'm not even that political to begin with i don 't follow politics that much, but I do care about black lives, and I care about black people that are discriminated against, and so yes, I do believe that black lives matter. I believe Jesus thinks black lives matter because all lives matter and it's not a political statement to say black lives matter. And so we we don't need to go to that extreme. On the other side, um, I'm not also saying that every police officer uh, or every police department is racist or has systemic racism. I think when you look at these broader pictures of society, you find that there are general tendencies. And that's where I think the racism comes in. There's a general tendency to treat certain people better or worse. And that I believe to be true. I I don't believe that everywhere there's systemic racism or in every cop's heart there's racism. And so I that's not an extreme view. I don't take an extreme view against the government or against authorities. I simply look at what I see from my friends who are black and who live in, in parts of the country that are, that are maybe more prone to racism. Uh, It's pretty hard to deny that there are systemic problems in, in our society. You take a look at and if you haven't seen the movie Just Mercy i do recommend it warning there's some a little bit of foul language in it but again this this sort of prevailing thought that there are some general views against black people that do exist out there so let's I encourage you let's take a middle approach let's just step back and say let's admit what we can admit Racism is a sin. We talked about that last week. God hates racism. Racism does exist in the world. It it exists probably even in our hearts, if we're going to admit it. I admit that I have biases that I'm working on and trying to get out of my life, and just talking with my wife and other people this week, just to acknowledge that that they exist, and and also just take a step back and say, hey, not all cops are bad. Not all cops are racist. I saw a sign in one of the protests that said just that. All cops are racist. No, they're not. They're not all racist. Let's find a middle ground. And let's agree. And also, let's not make it political. It's not, it should not be a, a Republican or Democrat or conservative, liberal in Canada It should not be a political issue. It's a human issue. Let's talk about it on human terms, and let's move forward finding some resolutions to this massive problem. So that's where I'm coming from. From last week to this week, my prevailing thought in my mind is that we've become too polarized as individuals, as churches, as countries, we need to find that middle ground. It's okay, listen, brothers and sisters, it's okay, even if you're political, it's okay to acknowledge that the opposing party does something well. I find it so crazy that you have to buy into all of a political party's views, and you're not allowed to commend the other party. You're not allowed to say, hey, you know what? The, the liberals, they're doing some things right. You're not allowed to say that or else you're vilified. That's to me, is wrong. Let's find the middle ground. Let's work on what we have in common. Let's acknowledge good things when good things happen. It doesn't matter who says it. It doesn't matter what party says it. Let's acknowledge the good things that happen and work from there. All right. So today I have two friends joining me, Peter and Dominique. And they're both from different backgrounds and different contexts. So that's good to have variety. And we're going to talk about this problem and how they have experienced it. So Peter and Dominique, thank you for being on this podcast episode today. And I'd like both of you to introduce yourselves and then we'll start into some discussion.
1: Yeah. uh, Hi, I'm Peter. I'm not quite 23 yet. I'm Canadian, as Crawford said. Born in Canada, uh, but I have Egyptian parents. They immigrated before I was born here. Um, I'm generally conservative. I voted conservative federally. So when you hear me speak, just keep that in the back of your mind.
2: Hello, I'm, I'm Dominique. I uh, I live in Starkville, Mississippi, and um, was born in Montana. Uh, my dad's in the military, so we moved here to Mississippi when I was in, probably like in fifth grade. Um, I've been in Mississippi ever since. My dad is African-American and my mom is, she's white. Um, and so I kind of feel like I've always experienced some sort of, well, Mississippi in general, or in the South in our, we've kind of had some, you know, divide for a long time, so. It's an interesting topic, so I'm also excited, and coming at it from a conservative perspective as well.
0: Thanks, guys, and I really appreciate you being on the show today. Peter, I want to start with you. As we think about the Church and our response to this topic, what are some of your thoughts around how the Church should deal with this particular subject?
1: Yeah, uh, there's a few things. directly from scripture i think main verses colossians 3 11 and then galatians three twenty eight um that all of us are one in christ jesus that you know there is no division and that means we have to acknowledge when there is and then work on eliminating that in the church otherwise we're not living that out otherwise we're going against what scripture says um You know, Bible also says, be angry and do not sin. Uh, So our response also has to reflect that as well. As well as be slow to speak and quick to listen. Uh, I think that's a big one. Even for myself, like this past week, um, it it has been exhausting, like responding to people and almost better not to. But I think everyone's just been wanting to be quick to speak, myself included, um, you know, for better or for worse. But um, I will say, I think it's interesting if you look at history, uh, Charles Spurgeon had actually spoken up against American slavery and the response from churches in the South, unfortunately, um, I don't know if it was just in the South, but the Southern Baptist Church uh, was that if he stepped foot in their cities, um, like they basically threatened him, uh, beatings, death and all that. Um, Just because they were so angry about him speaking up against slavery, uh, they would take his books and burn them publicly. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, so that's like the response that people had towards Spurgeon, the church had, unfortunately, when he spoke up against slavery. And so I just want to challenge my uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that um, picture yourself Uh, in those, you know, which position are you going to take? Are you going to take the scriptural position like Spurgeon and call out sin where you see it, even if it makes people uncomfortable? Or are you going to be the one who feels uncomfortable? And as a result, you want to retaliate in self-defense because, I don't know, to me, it's like a pretty shameful thing um, that, you know, one of the biggest preachers received threats from the church because he called out slavery.
0: So, Dominic, as we just keep talking through this, I feel like this subject, and we talk about systemic racism, uh, police officers, and how, they're, how they treat people in the Black community. What, how do we even tackle this problem? Like, how do we even start to make the change? Or is it so big that it's really like trying to find a needle in a haystack, trying to find a solution for this problem?
2: The change could start individually for each person, and then you could. A lot of people will say, like politically, like where are you like they trust that the maybe like voting certain politicians in will help with some of the the big organization, like the systemic issue. Um, but individually, each person, each Christian, um, like Peter was saying, how we're all one in Christ. If we practice or in, in repenting, like actively recognizing certain things that we may do that just isn't right or isn't according to the word
0: how would you respond to somebody that says that systemic racism doesn't exist it's just a myth
2: well there are some stats that may support that it does exist
0: but uh
2: i guess you have to look at your sources
0: but i mean from your perspective uh and you're living in the south right
2: well yeah it's like um first and foremost i live in a a pretty nice apartment um a brother from Kansas came down here um and he and his wife they bought this and this is what they, they could afford and they renovated it the only thing is it's in a section 8 zoned housing which is like predominantly low income residents who um, may or may not be on disability and some of them that's all they can afford and so there's constantly police being called to this neighborhood it's very known um, Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, just directly from my perspective, it goes back to the, the whole like history of our state, really. I mean, uh, Mississippi used to be like, have like some of the most millionaires during slavery because of the cotton. Um, and then of course the cotton gin was created, but I mean, it really made blacks at a disadvantage in the South. And so you can kind of see like, okay, Black people live over there and white people live over here. And that's the way it's been for years. And if you go into some of the rural towns, it's even worse. You can uh, definitely see the white people have all the land and nobody, if you tell people you're from Mississippi, usually they think it's uh, not somewhere to live. You know what I mean? So I'm,
0: you know, I'm clearly white and I have not experienced racism against me personally. Um, This, this whole idea of privilege and of course white privilege comes along with this. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I know that's something you've been thinking through and processing this idea of what it means to have privilege, n- naturally given privilege.
1: Yeah. Um, so first, right off the bat, I will hundred percent acknowledge that that word privilege has been used a lot, almost in like, you know, part of the oppression Olympics, uh, shut down any argument, it could be something as simple as, oh, did this meal cost $5? No, I think it cost 7 Like, shut up, you have white privilege, you don't get a say. Uh, so I fully, fully acknowledge that this word has been used in a negative and hostile way uh, very much, so I know why people would be so against that word. Um, so if you don't like that word, we can even substitute it with advantage and disadvantage so i'll I'll give an example um there's many different forms of advantages and disadvantages one personal example as a male when i uh, used to uh, go to university two hours away from home and i lived at an apartment i always felt safe walking home at night from campus my apartment 15 minute walk um i know one time i got off the bus the same time as another girl um, and she saw me walking, I was kind of close to her. She like crossed the street right away and kept going um i won't, at first, you know kind of stunk because I thought like I'm not gonna hurt her, but I remembered, yeah, like as a girl, um she is more unsafe walking home alone at night uh there's you know like your social class and how much money you make that'll give you certain advantages in life and disadvantages um even as a baby, we know Um, in child development, uh, even while you're still in the womb, a lot of decisions that your mother makes will affect your outcome. So if your mother did a lot of drugs or drank a lot of alcohol while you're in the womb, your development is gonna be uh, severely altered and that's out of your hands, you'll be disadvantaged. uh, How much love you got in your home, if you had access to enough food. Um, So all those things, those those can be considered a privilege on benefits. I didn't do anything to not like have an alcoholic mom, a child with fetal alcohol syndrome or has an alcoholic mom. They didn't do anything to earn that or deserve that. And so uh, one example I actually like to give, if you were born with four working limbs, you're more advantaged than uh, Nick V, the guy on TV who has no arms or legs. Now, would it be fair for me to say Oh well, actually, he's the one who has the advantage because he's on TV. He's making lots of money. So me, with four working limbs, actually, I'm at the disadvantage. And so, when people get profiled just because they have more melanin, uh, just because their skin is darker, um, that's what we mean by white privilege—that you're not generally going to get profiled. And in some scenarios, honestly, maybe you will if you're a white person and you're walking, um, you know, in the middle of like a gang or something. Yeah, like in that case, you're the one who has the disadvantage. But generally, systemically, we see that people with darker skin, they're the ones at the disadvantage. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to be disadvantaged in other ways. Um, So someone who's black and is a multimillionaire or celebrity, of course, they're advantaged money wise, as opposed to like a poor white person but that doesn't mean that the white person doesn't have an advantage because of their skin color either. Um, Both things can be true.
0: Yeah. And as I learned more about this idea, because when I first heard it, I I was quite confused. And the more I learned about it, the more I realized sort of the, the, the validity of it and how it makes perfect sense. And as a person, you know, who's white, I totally agree that, naturally people look at me differently than they would uh, someone who's black there's this uh concept of implicit bias which people don't even know that that they're being prejudiced you know and i i've done some soul searching in the last week about this, you know, because yeah, I, I would admit that I would have certain reactions to people differently based on their skin color. It's not intentional. It's not, it's not something that I mean to do, but it's there. And I think that underlines a little bit that there is systemic racism, that the culture that we live in promotes these ideas that your skin color alone, not your social status or your, your financial status, But just by your skin color, it's going to mean certain things. So, Dominic, when when you see video after video of of black men and and women, too, that are being targeted, and for often the most uh, ridiculous reasons, how does that make you feel? And how does that make you feel for the future of possibly your children and other young children growing up?
2: I've seen a lot of people give testimony and they say like they're scared to bring their child up in some of the uh, towns in Mississippi. I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Like I don't want to be scared of the cops. I don't, I'm not scared of the cops, but I do think that I share a slightly different position. Sometimes there are things that I can do that I can identify with the black community a lot more. And it's some things that I've been been sort of thinking about it all my life really but I just saw uh, there was a video today where like I guess this is the aftermath of the looting I don't necessarily con- I don't condone any of the looting but there was a video where like a whole like all women like were in a car and they got like all the police officers were responding and they thought they were responding the right way and it was just it was just over the top but it's like to me it was just I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. And to think that if those same cops were to come up to another car, I mean, who knows? Like the call that the call in might have been, "Hey, there are four African Americans who got into this red Hyundai and they're suspected looters." Um, it just seemed like you said earlier the implicit bias. Like some cops would probably deem somebody less of a threat depending on their skin color, so the severity level would be different.
0: What are some things? And I, I've heard about this from, from the media and others that Black parents have to have the talk with their kids about what you do when you get pulled over. First of all, it's unfair that they even have to do that. I mean, I think that that says it right there. They shouldn't even have to have that conversation. But practically speaking, is that a positive thing? Is it something that that helps the situation by saying, you know, when this happens, here's what you should do to minimize the potential risk of you getting killed.
2: I mean, it's necessary. I mean, it doesn't hurt, you know, because I mean, if I get I'm pulled over for a speeding ticket and I just want the cop to see my hands, I just, I don't want the cop to know that I'm not like, you know, just common sense. Really, anybody should do that. I think it's like stupid for people not for people to teach their kids that, but I think it might be good to prepare their child for some things that might be a little different for them because of their skin color.
0: Let's, uh, let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about what's going on right now in the United States. Uh, Dominique, you mentioned, you know, sort of the looting and that. And I would think most Christians would say that, you know, peaceful protesting is, is a good form of speaking out to draw attention to a particular issue. Uh, Peter, talk a little bit about some of your thoughts through this idea of the protests and what's been going on uh, around the United States.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, and honestly, like the thoughts I'm out share are shared by 90% of my friends and people I follow and see on social media. And I say that as a preface because I see from other people some sort of idea that everyone's supporting total anarchy and people all around just want to see all of America burn, which uh, isn't true and hasn't been the case from what I've seen. Again, biblical perspective, be angry and sin not. You know, the riots, I think we can safely say, the looting, um, attacking people, that's not good at all. That's bad, that's terrible. I've seen videos of uh, black business owners Angry and crying over their businesses that have been destroyed. Of course, that's like pretty counterproductive. But here's the thing so, peaceful protesting, that's good. That's a great thing. Riots, it's a bad thing. But what I've noticed is that now the conversation's been derailed. And so now a lot of people don't even want to hear what the peaceful protesters have to say. All they're saying is, we just want to hear you speak up against the riots. And if you're not spending your energy talking about them, then Clearly, you support the riots. We don't have to listen to your original point anymore. And that's wrong as well. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of who's initiating the riots, whether there's anything deeper going on there. Uh, But I will all say is this, that we shouldn't use the riots to derail the conversation. We should absolutely condemn them. But that doesn't negate um, anything that people are protesting about. That doesn't negate the original issue. Yeah, that's basically my thoughts to keep it short and to not go down my own little rabbit hole.
0: Dominic, what's your what are your thoughts on what we're seeing happening in in the US? I
2: just see this stuff on social media and I see all the cities and I just think it's crazy, but I think you should have your right, the right to voice your opinion. And so it's part of our constitution and I think it's your right to Speak up on things, you know. It's you. What does it say? um, There's a lot of verses that talk about sticking up for the, the poor. Or like uh, you should give a voice for people who are who are oppressed.
1: If you felt angry or enraged at the looting and the riots, and even some of the violence that's happened from it, because it's unjust, of course, right? Like going to someone's business and just burning it down and beating up the shop owner. That, and then getting away with it, that's unjust. That should make you angry. Then realize that that's how people feel every time an innocent black person is harmed or harassed or killed by the police and the cop gets away with it. That's the same feeling, except it's been happening throughout history, time and time again. Um, so that rage that you're now feeling, that righteous anger, I'll even call it, that righteous anger, you're now feeling for the first time because of those businesses, because of those shop owners, which rightly you should feel, that's the same exact feeling that people have when uh, black people are killed, unjustified by the cops. And so can you imagine if you showed me a video of a shop being burned down, the shop owner being beaten up, my first reaction was, oh, well, I don't know, I need to see all the evidence first. Maybe this video has been edited. Maybe there's more to the story. Oh, we don't know, the shopkeeper, maybe did something to initiate it. Um, if he just complied and listened to their demands, they wouldn't have taken it this far. You know, you'd say, one, that's very insensitive. Two, that's ridiculous. Right now, most of the evidence points towards the shopkeeper being innocent and the rioters and the looters being, the you know, the ones, the criminals who are harming him and his store. And so that's the same exact, same exact thing that happens when, Black people are killed innocently on camera. You know, you get it on video. You hear stories, people are around. And unfortunately, a lot of people, even in the church, their first reaction is, well, I don't know both sides of the story. Um, I need to wait for all the evidence, you know, playing like the moral objective high ground that, oh, well, you just like to run with what whatever the media says. I like to wait for all the facts. Uh, and then even when the facts come out, I've seen people say, oh, well, those videos were probably edited, that can easily happen, Um, yeah, and so I just hope, I just hope, like, we can all see how, like, hypocritical and two-faced that is, you know, can you imagine if I said, oh, well, that shop owner smoked weed back in college, Uh, you do the crime, you do the time, you know, because that happens too, they'll pull out past history from these people and say, oh, like, 30 years ago, this guy smoked weed or so. Honestly, that's usually what it is. I'm not, like, obviously I'm against, like, doing drugs. But smoking weed shouldn't be a death penalty for yourself 15 years in the future. Um, but, yeah, so that's just the, the main point I want to bring. That the same thing happening now, the same unfortunate, unjust thing happening to these shopkeepers is what's been happening to black people throughout history, really, throughout American history, and even modern history.
0: Well, I just want to thank you guys so much for being with me today and talking about this very difficult subject, and I'm just thankful for your perspectives, and I just pray that the church will show kindness and love to one another and to people, and will recognize that these issues are very difficult for black people to go through on a daily basis and i pray that there's change that change happens in our lives individually in the church and in our society of course we know that no real change will come until the lord jesus christ takes over and puts things right but until then we we keep soldiering on. So thank you so much for being with us, Peter and Dominique. And I just hope you have a great day. And I hope our listeners have a wonderful day as well. And remember the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. Tune in next week to hear more Church Chat by Assembly Hub.